Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, the rule of God, God's kingdom from heaven that has come to earth. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In the third chapter of the Gospel of John, we meet a very powerful man named Nicodemus. His interaction with Jesus not only changed his life, but the lives of millions of Christians for centuries to come. Today, David returns to our Gospel of John series with the first part of a message called, You Must Be Born Again. I'd like to ask all of you right now to imagine that you saw Jesus ministering to multitudes, teaching and healing, and you were so moved by who he is that you would have given anything to make an appointment with him. You thought, boy, I just would love to have an hour with him so that I could sit down and hear what he would say to me personally, one-on-one, without interruption. Well, that's exactly what happened in John, the third chapter. Remember that Jesus last week said he trusted no man because he knew what was in their hearts. Uh, He did not trust any person because he knew that everyone has stony, rocky hearts that are bent on caring solely for self. And after he taught this, though, there comes an encounter with a man who made an appointment with Jesus to talk with him. Let's look at what happened in John, the third chapter, verse one. Take your Bibles, open them up, follow along on your devices, but make sure you're studying the word of God with me and asking the question, what is Jesus saying to me? Here's how it starts. Now, there was a man. Now, remember, Jesus trusted no man because he knew what was in their hearts. Uh, That's verse 25 of chapter two. Now, there was a man, a man like all of us who had a stony, rocky, selfish heart, but he was a man of the Pharisees. Now, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a group of 6,000 Jewish leaders who came together and they committed themselves to the total devotion of following the laws of God. In fact, they came up with not only the 10 commandments, but magnified them to 613 commandments, and they lived their whole lives trying to obey every single one in every specific way. Now, why? because they remembered in Jewish history that the Jewish people had been taken into the captivity because they did not obey the righteous requirements of God's law. So these 6,000 faithful Jews, a relatively small sect of men, made a commitment to try to obey these 613 commandments so that God would always look favorably upon his people and never take them into captivity again. Now, the Romans were the ones overseeing the Jews now, and so these Pharisees were even more spiritually committed than they'd ever been before, believing that if they obeyed these laws, it might even be inviting God's power to oust the Romans from Israel altogether. So this man comes to Jesus. He is a Pharisee committed to obeying the law of God like few others. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. This guy was high up. Uh, We'll see later on. He's called the teacher 
of Israel. Uh, he was probably second in command right next to the high priest himself. So he's a Pharisee, he's a ruler, he's high up, and among these 6,000 Pharisees, there were a group of about 70 called the Sanhedrin, and those 70 ruled over spiritual oversight of the Jewish people. And of course, Nicodemus was one of those members of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler way high up. Now, he must have been watching what Jesus did in the temple in the previous days. He watched how Jesus not only cleansed the temple because of his great anger over the Gentiles not being able to move to the Holy of Holies and be able to worship the one true living God. The Jews were supposed to have a heart for the Gentiles, be a light to the Gentiles, but because of all the animal trade and the coinage being exchanged, clamor, loudness, an awful smell, Jesus knew the Gentiles couldn't come close to the one true God, and he got angrier and angrier, made a whip, and drove the money changers and all those selling animals out from the temple. But even beyond that, the text tells us that Jesus also taught powerfully, and he performed signs and wonders. We don't know how many miracles he performed, but there were probably several. And we saw last week how there were many people who wanted to follow Jesus, but only because of his doing signs and wonders, not because they wanted to obey what he told them to do. And it could well be that Nicodemus is one of those who wanted to follow Jesus for understanding his miracles, but not because he truly believed who he was. He saw him do all of these things, and he was one of those, unlike the common person, who could get to Jesus to make an appointment with him. And we're going to see in the next verse that this man came to Jesus by night. He made the appointment with Jesus at night. Now, why was it Nick at night? Whoops. For those of you who are old enough to remember that cable television program, this was really the first Nick at night. Nicodemus made an appointment with Jesus at night. He wanted to spend some time with him to know what he would say to him. But it was probably at night, first of all, because Nicodemus was well-respected and he didn't want to see uh, have people speak about him seeing Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, there could be rumors that he would have become a follower of Jesus, and that would have eliminated his position of power on the Sanhedrin as a ruler of the Jews, even as a Pharisee. So he probably made the appointment at night away from everybody, maybe in a back alley in a street in Jerusalem, to talk to Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, not seen by other people, not wanting his name particularly to be associated with Jesus. But he did make that appointment. He did have this opportunity to be one-on-one -on -one with Jesus himself. So he came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi. Now, we see in John 7 that Jesus had no formal rabbinic training. Uh, he must have learned a lot about the law of God at the feet of his mom and dad, and he went to the synagogue every Sabbath, as was his custom. So he learned a lot. His teaching was so impressive. He didn't have formal training, though, but Nicodemus lifts him up as a respected teacher. He calls him 
Rabbi. And then he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. The we there probably insinuates conversations that Nicodemus had had with other Pharisees. They all looked at him, marveled at his teaching, saw his signs and wonders, and they had to conclude that he came from God, that that God had a special anointing upon his life. But Nicodemus went no farther than that, simply to say, we probably other Pharisees, other rulers on the Sanhedrin of the Jewish people recognize that you have God on your life for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's a great conclusion because throughout the Gospel of John, you're going to see that one of the evidences that Jesus constantly points to to prove his divinity, that he was truly sent from the Father, were his signs and wonders. So this is a step forward from Nicodemus to note that Jesus performed these signs and wonders, therefore God must be with him. Now verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. Now this can also be translated amen and amen. Um, there, There was a recent prayer offered at Congress in the United States where the man said, we are gathered together today in the name of the monotheistic God. And then he names him Brahman, which is crazy because that's the name of the Hindu God who's one of over 300 million gods, certainly not monotheistic. Then he prays and ends his prayer with amen and then a women. He said both, I guess, to make sure that he wasn't misogynistic in any way. But what is so idiotic is amen is a biblical term which means so be it. Whenever it's stated in the Bible, it's saying this is really true, so be it. And when you say it in response to something someone may say like myself, you're saying yes, I agree with that, so be it. It has nothing to do with feminism and amen and a women just to show you how crazy our culture has become. But Jesus responds to Nicodemus and says, amen and amen. So be it, so be it. Truly, truly, in athletic terms, this would be a coach saying to his or her players, listen up, listen up. What I'm about to say is of extraordinary importance. Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God, the rule of God, God's kingdom from heaven that has come to earth, unless someone is born again. Jesus uses a phrase here that has been repeated for centuries, people trying to understand the meaning of being born again. Nicodemus, in response to Jesus, said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, the comment went right over Nicodemus' head. He didn't get the idea of a spiritual rebirth at all. That's what Jesus was talking about. And so Nicodemus concludes, what does this mean Um, Am I supposed to, as an old man, go back in my mother's womb and be born a second time into this world like I was born a first time as a baby? Jesus is talking spiritually. Nicodemus is thinking fleshly, and the two cannot meet. They are different understandings of how to interpret God. 
but this is an important part of their interaction. So Jesus answered in verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, amen and amen. So be it, so be it. Listen up. This is very, very important. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here we have Jesus mentioning water and the Spirit being a part of this new birth. Now, what does that water mean? Um, Some suggest that it could be from Ezekiel chapter 36, where God talks about in the future, he will sprinkle people's hearts and make them clean with new water. It could be referring to that because Jesus is going to get to the understanding of us all needing a new heart, a new birth within us all. Uh, Some others suggest it's talking about baptism. And Jesus is saying here, unless you're born of water, which is baptism, cleansing yourself and repenting of all of your sins to a new life along with the inward spiritual birth, that could be. uh, It makes some sense uh, because you can't be born again of the Spirit inside your heart without a commensurate life change, without living a holy life because of what's happened inside of you. The fruit of living in a holy life is proof of the root of the born-again experience within your heart. So it could be that, but I really think it's just in a very natural way, and, and some don't agree with me on this, and that's okay, but to me it just makes sense that Jesus here is saying, as you're born physically of water, all of us know, especially those of us who have children, uh, when our wives say, honey, the water just broke. What does it mean? It means the baby is on the way. The baby is coming soon. So I wonder if Jesus isn't saying here, yeah, maybe it's about water cleansing the heart. Maybe it's about water that washes us clean and causes repentance, but maybe it's just a practical thing. Your first birth is fleshly, and the sign of that is the breaking of your water. So unless a person is born of water in a natural way, but also of the Spirit, unless there's a spiritual rebirth inside the heart, no one, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't know the reign of God in your life. You can't know the love of God in your life. You can't know all that God wants for you in your life. So let me take a minute and try to explain to you what it means to be born again. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden. It's the Garden of Paradise. And he had a perfect relationship with them. Uh, They walked in the garden. They talked together. They had an intimate personal relationship from the spirit that lived within Adam and Eve. And of course, God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. Again, an intimacy of relationship. Now, if you study the Bible, you know that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, there's this verse from Paul. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul gives us in that verse an interesting insight into the human personality. We are tripartite, if you will, in makeup. We are an unholy, if you will, trinity inside ourselves. We are made up of a body and a soul and a spirit. 
So in Genesis, the second chapter, you see those three things operating in perfection the way God intended our personality to be. Uh, Adam and Eve had perfect bodies. They were created by God. And then they also had souls. The meaning of the soul biblically is the mind, the will, and the emotion. So their minds always focused on God. They had the thoughts of God alone. Their wills always chose to obey what God desired them to do. They truly operated in the kingdom of God. That's what Eden was. It was perfect paradise, the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And they also had a perfect born-again spirit, if you will. That birth spirit within them, the breath of God breathed into them at the moment of their life coming to them was operating in intimacy and union life with the Father in heaven. And again, they talked with one another. They walked together. They had a daily time together. They simply had a perfect relationship. So God says to them in Genesis 2, verse 17, there are two trees in the garden. You can eat of all these other trees out there for every one of your needs, but there's one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, now what is death there? Well, the first one is you'll physically die. This body will be consumed and corrupted with sin. Death was never God's original intent, dear friends. Death is an evil intrusion into God's once perfect world. God wanted us to live forever. He created Adam and Eve with perfect physical bodies to live forever. But if he said, If you eat of that tree and you decide to try to be God, you decide what's good and what's evil. You take my place in your knowledge replacing mine. You'll invite sin, selfishness, corruption into this world, and one of the results of that will be physical death. We see it around us with the pandemic. It's something people fear probably more than any other fear, the fear of death. But there's a second death that's promised here. It's a spiritual death. So Adam and Eve were body, soul, and spirit. And the minute in Genesis 3 when the enemy tempted Eve to eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she did so and gave it to Adam, both of them invited corruption into their bodies and began the process of physical death. But what else died? The spirit. Their body, soul, and spirit. Their spirit died. They no longer had that intimacy with God. Listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in a conversation about how we can learn to enjoy each day to its fullest. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, we'll work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. 
Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Jen. I hope you're well today. I am. Thank you very much. In your morning e-devotions, you have been in a series that you are calling Davidisms. And one that jumps out at me is called... Life is like a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> what in the world do you mean by that? Well, you're not the first person to have asked me that, but it is so true when you think about it. Here's what I'm trying to say. Have you ever heard someone say the days are long, but the years are short? Mm. It's often used by parents when describing how quickly children seem to grow mm-hmm. up. I know you have experienced that as well. Yes, I have. And I have three adult children now with eight grandchildren. Wow. My most recent grandson was born just last week. We looked at his baby pictures and we see, oh boy, it's not going to take long for that child to change as well. But he's a beauty, eight grandchildren, but they're all growing up so fast. Well, the same holds true when we speak about our whole lifetime. Life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. (laughs) Though it may not always feel that way, life is truly short, Jen, and, and I think you know that too. Mm -hmm. Well, especially as we enter the latter years of our lives, each day seems to go by faster than the one before. If you don't believe that, just talk to an older person and that would be, I guess, me (laughs) (laughs) after all of these decades. But scripture says it the same way. In James chapter 4 verse 14, it reads, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Poof, Hmm. gone. Life is so short. Here's the point. Enjoy each day to the fullest. All you have is today. Each day is a gift from God, the day that He has made. We are therefore to rejoice and be glad in just this day that He has given us none are guaranteed tomorrow. That's Psalm 118, verse 24. So next time you feel like your days are dragging on and on and on, (laughs) just remember this truth. Remember how quickly they all go away and enjoy today in the full. One more time, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. I think this is really good and it, it can apply to our lives today. We can seem like we're going through such difficult times with things in our world changing so rapidly, but just to be present in the day, in the moment, in yeah. today, in the time you have today, I think this is a great encouragement for everyone right now. Well, it really is, Jen, and because we're looking at so much turmoil around us and how quickly life is changing, Mm -hmm. we realize we worship and serve a God who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We trust in Him that His principles, His truths are eternal, and we can rely upon them, live according to them, and have great strength in Him. But nevertheless, we are to enjoy today to the full. You know, we are to glorify God in all that we do, but enjoy Him forever. And this day, 
these 24 hours is all the Lord has given us. So let's use them for God's glory and also to enjoy to the fullest. Well, I like this one. This is easy to remember. Life is like a roll of toilet paper. Thank you so much <laughs> for this insight. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. Enjoy today to the full, dear friends. And also, if you'd like to receive these daily e-blasts from me, these Moments of Hope, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge from my heart to yours in order to help you begin each day with something that's very important, a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you pray for unity in our nation.